0: You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey everyone welcome to a new episode of Lockdown Clippers I'm your host Lucas Han today is Wednesday February 1st we are in our second month of the Lockdown Clippers podcast with Lucas Han we're in the middle of the week we're here with new episodes every day Monday through Friday um so first i want to get started with just a couple of programming notes i know this episode might be coming a little later in the morning than you guys are used to i don't really try to get them out like actually late the night before so that whatever time people are going to work they can download them and listen them on their drive-in. Last night was a little bit of a tricky night for me. There was a lot of noise going on in my apartment and in the past normally what I do is go and park or go and, and record in my car but I had to park kind of far away because my upstairs roommate was parked in the driveway and then it was snowing, like and there was ice everywhere, and I really didn't want to get like all dressed again to go walk all the way out to my car. Um so I decided to record this morning. So I'm sorry if this episode is coming due a little later than, than normal. This isn't the plan for um for now or for the future. It's kind of a emergency audible that I had to call for today. Um and then the other thing is I know I've gotten a lot of feedback about the audio quality. Um a, a buzzing noise. I've been trying to figure it out. It seemed like it started when I came back from LA now here to New York where I live and go to school. Um, and I think I've figured it out. So if you listen you can hear that there's a little bit of a buzz. Right there's a little bit there but but right now the power strip that my laptop is plugged into is turned off. So I'm going to turn the power strip on. You hear, yeah, so so I think um, maybe unwittingly that's where some of the feedback was coming from. And it's crazy because I don't hear a thing. It's not like the power strip makes a, a humming noise while it's operating. But for whatever reason, it was um, emitting at some frequency that, that humans can't hear in real life. But that the microphone picks up and then blasts. Into your guys's headphones and tries to make my listeners ears bleed. So fortunately, that seems to be resolved now. Um, I know there's still a little bit of a of a buzz, but you know part of that's just the just the game of um, amateur podcasting. But so those are my couple of programming notes. Um, I want to get into today's episode. The Clippers obviously had three days off, got blown out by 46 points to the Warriors. Had three days off. And now they're finally playing again tonight against the Phoenix Suns. And it probably feels really good for the team to have a chance to get that bad taste out of their mouth. You know, that's the kind of game where you'd really like to just be like in the middle of a road trip and fly from Oakland that night to Milwaukee and have a day to rest and then play Milwaukee, you know, and just have it over with. And instead, they basically had to go back home and practice for three days. And then go to Phoenix to play another game, and then they'll have a back-to-back. And tomorrow they're going to be back in Los Angeles playing against the Warriors. So this is going to be an interesting game. Um, the Clippers are better than the Suns, um, but there's going to be a lot. There's a lot of mental stuff to consider with with the last Warriors loss and the next Warriors game, and trade talks and everything. Um, and speaking of trade talks. I'm gonna have to apologize up front. I promised myself I would not talk more about Carmelo Anthony. I said after this weekend, the trade it seems like they're not talking anymore. The issue is that the Clippers are trying to find a third team for Jamal Crawford's contract and no one's really stepping up um you know none of the teams with cap room want to take on Jamal's salary because he's owed 14 million guaranteed dollars next year so that is a big hit in their cap room trying to add players next summer So I told myself I'm not going to talk about this trade anymore until something new happens until the teams are talking again until they find a third team I'm not going to keep speculating and walking in circles it's you know it gets a little repetitive and it's probably a little boring for for you guys But then yesterday I was just doing what I do, um, looking through the salary cap sheets of the NBA teams, and I had an idea, and I think it's a good idea, um, and I wrote, I, I actually, you know, I never do this, which maybe shows how good an idea it was. I published an article at like midnight, 9, 9 p.m. Pacific time, but like midnight here, and normally I'll always, all, almost always hold that over for the next morning where It'll be a little more in the flow of things, but I was just kind of excited. I want to get it out there and share with whoever was on Twitter right then. Um, And I got, I've gotten pretty good feedback and even it involves a trade with the New Orleans Pelicans and Pelicans people are giving me good feedback, which is unusual. Cause you know, I, I was talking about how I like this idea of sending Jamal to Oklahoma City for like Collison and Moro, but Oklahoma City fans are like, no, we don't want Jamal. Um, maybe the front office would think differently but the fans didn't weren't interested the new orleans fans are like hell yes so let's talk about it so basically the clippers are in a situation right now where they would like to trade for carmelo anthony but the knicks don't want jamal crawford's contract and the clippers can't trade for Carmelo Anthony and stay under the hard cap without moving Jamal Crawford's contract. And they want to keep their core four, Chris Paul, J.J. Reddick, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. So basically, if you add Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, J.J. Reddick, and DeAndre Jordan's salaries together, plus Carmelo's salary, plus Jamal Crawford's salary, you get into real trouble with the hard cap. You have to trade pretty much everyone else on the team, and you don't even really have space to add enough minimum salary guys to fill the rotation. Um, you're kind of kind of screwed. Basically, it's not it's not possible um, to keep those four core guys add add Melo's salary without sending out Jamal's salary. So the question is, if the Knicks don't want him, what do you do with him? That's a, the struggle that they've been having trying to call around to teams like philadelphia and brooklyn and no one's really biting um but what's interesting is that you don't need to move all 13.25 of jamal's salary to fit under the hard cap the clippers have a little over 2 million like just either it's i think the number 2 million like three thousand five hundred. that's how much wiggle room they have under the hard cap if they were to trade Austin Rivers, Wesley Johnson, and Paul Pierce for Carmelo Anthony, which would probably be the package if Jamal is excluded. Then you're adding a little over five million in salary. Um, so the difference basically comes out to three-ish million um, that you're you're over the hard cap now. So you can't do that. You have to lose like three point one five million somewhere. 3.135 million, somewhere. So, the New Orleans. The problem with Jamal Crawford is that he has guaranteed money next year, so who wants him? No one wants him. Except for a team that has an even worse contract to trade back to us. The New Orleans Pelicans have this. They have Omer Asik. Omer Asik makes less than Jamal Crawford by. About three, three and a half million, depending on the year of the contract that you look at. But his contract runs for an extra year past Jamal's. So this actually increases the Pelicans' flexibility because if they're going to keep these guys until the end of their deal, then they're saving, they're getting cap room a year earlier by taking Jamal. If they're going to stretch them, wave, um, if you're not familiar with the stretch provision basically in the nba you can take any player that you're going to release and if you don't want to take the full cap hit on his salary in that season you can release him and stretch his salary over the amount of years left on his contract times two plus one so for jamal crawford who has 17 million guaranteed and two years left on his contract after this season you can only if you, his cap hit this year isn't going to change but you could do this in July to affect his cap hit next year he's owed 14 million next year and three million the year after what you can do if you need that cap room next summer is stretch his salary it becomes 17 million two years left times two is four plus one is five 17 million over five years 3.4 million a year that's not a huge cap hit what's interesting is that Omar seeks cap if you were to stretch him, it would be almost exactly the same, but over seven years. So whatever way you want to cut it for the Pelicans, they're either getting cap room a year earlier or having that stretched cap hit on their sheet two years less. It's a good trade for them. It makes sense. It adds flexibility. Now, that, that gets you like... Ninety five percent of the way there as far as the hard cap goes. It does get you just underneath um like two hundred thirteen thousand, except for the fact that included in Omer base salary are not what are called unlikely bonuses. Um so these unlikely bonuses that he has, like making an all NBA team, being an NBA all star, winning the NBA championship, he has some some a lot of weird stuff in there they add up to a total of one million dollars a season um now most of these are never going to be paid out except for some of them that maybe increase in likelihood if he joins the clippers like he has a bonus for being for his team winning 56 or more games or making the conference finals those are a lot more plausible as a clipper than as a pelican but for the most part these bonuses are never actually going to get paid out the problem is that when you're calculating the team's salary against the hard cap, all unlikely bonuses must be included so that there's no chance of you paying more money and exceeding the hard cap. So we have to add another million to his cap figure. So instead of being $213,000 under the hard cap, we're about seven hundred. I mean, obviously it's just 1000000 minus 213,000, it's about 787,000 over the hard cap. So we got to move 787,000 more. The easiest way that I can think of it is to throw Allen Anderson into that Pelicans trade. He has a cap hit of 980,000, so that takes you to about a little under 200,000 underneath the hard cap. The trade works. It's legal. You're fine. Um, the problem is now you only have 12 players on the roster, and it co- it's going to cost about $250,000 to sign a guy at the trade deadline for the rest of the season. And the Clippers need—they're going to need help right away because of their guard depth, obviously, with, with Chris Paul injured and you're trading Austin Rivers and you're trading Jamal Crawford. So you're basically left with Raymond Felton and J.J. Redick, and nobody else. So, the next move that I would do is David Michonneau, who the Clippers picked in the second round last year and stashed in France. They're not paying him anything right now, but he's counting as 544,543,500 on the Clippers' hard cap calculation because they own his rights and that's the rookie minimum so just renounce him release him just cut cut that tender out of your out of your salary sheet um yeah it sucks to to have just drafted him and you know there's a lot of speculation that they probably should have picked someone else um and now you're getting you're just giving up on him a few months later but i think that holding on to David Michino because you don't want to look stupid. So you hold on to David Michino and it holds up a Carmelo Anthony trade. I think that's even more stupid than drafting him in the first place. So, renounce Michino trade Jamal and Anderson and cash to cover Anderson's salary for Omer Seek and a second round draft pick from the Pelicans. Now you have room under the hard cap. To trade Austin Rivers, Wesley Johnson, and Paul Pierce for Carmelo Anthony. Now this is how your roster looks once you do this. Once you make these moves that I that I've just outlined, you're losing Jamal Anderson, Rivers, Johnson, and Pierce. You're adding Anthony and a seek. So your roster looks like this: you've got Chris Paul and Raymond Felton at point guard, but obviously you need help because Chris Paul is still injured. You've got J.J. Redick at shooting guard, and you need help there too. You've got Melo, Mbamute at small forward. And then down low, you've got a little bit of a of a cluster with Jordan, Spates, and Asik at center. And then Griffin, Bass, and the two young guys, Stone and Johnson, who I guess we would consider them all power forwards at this point. So you've got 12 guys on the roster and about 740,000 underneath the hard cap which means the Clippers could add probably two guys right now and, they will. they could definitely add two guys right now and be good, and then they might be able to use that last r- roster spot later on in February. So you can add two free agent guards, Xavier, Munford, Mario, Chalmers, you know, whoever you want to add to help you out with that. I don't think that's a bad spot to be in. I think you get mellow basically for the package that you're planning on. You know, the package we're planning on is like, rivers johnson and crawford so really all you're throwing in is alan anderson and paul pierce who are two guys who don't play anyway and you're getting back omara seeks back contract which sucks but you're still getting carmelo anthony and you still have room to add the free agent guard depth that you need so for me it's kind of a no-brainer and what's i think what what makes the difference here is that the pelicans actually want this (laughs) um you know and l- like i said everything was like please philadelphia take him and philly's like no we don't want to pay him 14 million dollars next season um but pelicans people seem to want this um i talked to david fisher who is the editor at the bird rights which is our um i'm the editor for clips nation the bird rights is our sister site for the new orleans pelicans i talked to mason ginsberg who rights for bourbon street shots which is the espn true hoop new orleans pelicans blog and they they don't see why i mean it saves them money they're just trying to get out of the six contract last year real gm graded it the most untradeable contract in the nba so the clippers taking it on is kind of doing them you know it's a win for them which is why i think the clippers could get a second round pick in that trade also but it's definitely worth taking on you know especially if you if you were to stretch him it's only two more years of a 3.5 million cap hit in each year than it would be to stretch Jamal that's like marginal that, that really isn't a huge difference maker when you talk about the cost of adding Carmelo Anthony to your team um so now I need uh Doc Rivers if you're listening please make a call let's get Carmelo Okay. Okay. So, now that Doc has gone away to make his call, the rest of us can talk about this Suns Clippers game tonight. Um Now, the good news is that the Clippers, like I said earlier in the show, are better than the Suns. The Clippers beat the Suns by 11 points last month without Chris Paul and Blake Griffin playing. So, Chris Paul has come back into the lineup and gotten hurt again and left the lineup again since then. But Blake Griffin is back, and still back. And, you know, there's no reason for the Clippers to lose this game. Um, The Clippers should win this game. They kind of need to win this game with how their schedule looks going forward. This is one of those ones where you need to to get a win that you're supposed to get, because you're already going to need to get... The Clippers are going to need to win games that they're supposed to lose in the next two weeks if they want to keep pace in the conference. So if you if you already are going to have to win games that you're supposed to lose, you really have to win games that you're supposed to win. And the Clippers are supposed to win this one. Um just a few a few talking points. It's interesting the last time these two teams played with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin out, you'd expect Austin Rivers to have been the to have carried a more heavy load um but he only had 9 points on 2 of 11 shooting. It was actually JJ Redick who led the team with twenty two points on nine of fourteen. Jamal Crawford had eighteen points on eighteen shots, but that's still one of his better games in the last month. Um and Lukin Barmuty kind of quietly had thirteen points on five of six shooting, which is like hyper efficient contributions. And that was enough, really. Um Brandon Bass had a good game off the bench. You know, he just kinda of comes in and dunks the basketball a whole ton. Raymond Felton had 16 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. But yeah, it didn't take a stellar... Even, even from the Clippers without Chris Paul and without Blake Griffin, it didn't take a stellar performance to beat the Suns. Largely because they just played such good defense on the Suns' guards. Um, they held Eric Bledsoe to 8 of 27 from the field. They heard, held Devin Booker to 4 of 15 from the field four turnovers for Bledsoe, three for Booker. That's kind of, that, I mean, you, you do that, you're going to beat the Suns most nights. Um, you know, 12 of 42 from the field for those two guards who are their two, you know, they, th- those two guys both score over 20 points a game. And then TJ Warren and Brandon Knight are both scoring in double figures at 13 and 12, and everyone else is below 10. So you take those two 20-point-a-game scorers, and you freeze them out into that kind of shooting performance, 12 of 42, it's going to be a good night for you. Um, I think it's interesting that the last time these teams played, Brandon Knight only played 7 minutes. I'm not sure. I don't remember. He might have been recovering from some sort of... There, there might have been some sort of health thing going on there for him to only have played 7 minutes. Because that's unusual. Um... But Eric Bledsoe has been on a tear lately. Um, He actually, I'm just looking right now, I hadn't seen that in their last game he only had 14 points. But in the game before that against Denver, Eric Bledsoe had 41 points. The game before that, also against Denver, he had 28 points. And then a couple games before that against Toronto, he had 40 points. So he's had two 40-point games in his last five. So he might be a little hard to stop coming into this matchup with the Clippers, and you know Eric, I love Eric Bledsoe. I love watching him play. Um, I think anyone who was following the Clippers back when Eric Bledsoe was leading that bench unit, I think anyone who who was watching that team loves Eric Bledsoe, and it's kind of hard to to ever give up on that. Um, I know DJ Foster, who used to host this show, was a big Eric Bledsoe guy. It's kind of like Steve Novak. Um, anyone who was around during the Steve Novak. Clippers era especially who saw him have that game where he hit like seven threes against the nets including the buzzer beater to win the game um baron davis eric gordon on that team yeah you you kind of have you get fond attachments to like one or two players a season that kind of never fade um steve novak definitely one of those guys eric Bledsoe definitely one of those guys i knew the clippers were going to trade him because they had Chris Paul and it was just a, a salary issue Eric Bledsoe was just so so freaking good um and i knew they were going to trade him and i was really trying to buy an Eric Bledsoe jersey before they traded him i wanted Eric Bledsoe in that blue alternate they had with the cursive Los Angeles and they didn't have Bledsoe jerseys they they you know they only sell for them for like a few players otherwise you have to buy custom and it's more expensive and so i was looking around um, i never actually ended up getting one That's kind of how much I like Bledsoe. I was like, oh man, they're about to trade him. I have to buy a jersey before they trade him. I miss Eric Bledsoe. I do. Um, I hope he moves from Phoenix. I just think he's not... You know, I don't know what exactly the franchise is doing right now. But Eric... Eric's 27 years old. um, And I don't think they're doing anything within his prime window. And so I think it would be... Ideal if he could go somewhere else. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough because while I do love his game, I'm not sure how I feel about him actually on a winning team because he's a ball-dominant guard who doesn't score super efficiently and doesn't get a ton of assists. And the only way to really succeed on a winning team doing that is to be so damn good that your name is Russell Westbrook. And Eric Bledsoe is good, but he's not Russell Westbrook. So that's I don't know how he would have to adjust his game to to be a a successful player on a good team because obviously, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, Eric Bledsoe, perfect backup point guard. He brings the energy and athleticism. But the guy's averaging twenty one point six assists and five rebounds. He's not a backup point guard. Then you look at Devin Booker, who's the Suns far younger counterpart to Bledsoe in the backcourt, 20-year-old shooting guard. His numbers are back up this season after a slow start, 42% from the field, 36% from deep, 21 points a game, 20 or more points in at least his last five games in a row. So it looks like he might be turning a corner a little bit um, from where the Clippers kind of were able to freeze these two guys out in their last game. It'll be a little more of a struggle this time. The good news for the Clippers is that the Suns have been starting recently, um, or actually for most of the season, they've been starting Marquise Chris at Power Forward. Now, I'm going to be honest, I don't watch a ton of Suns basketball, but I don't think I need to watch a ton of Suns basketball to know that Marquise Chris guarding Blake Griffin is a very good thing for the Clippers. Um... I saw him—actually, I think the only full Suns game I've seen this year is when the Suns played the Clippers at Staples Center in January, and I was there covering the game. And he's skinny. He doesn't have the NBA physique yet. He looks lost on the basketball court. And I just have to think Blake Griffin is going to eat him alive if, he, if Marquise Chris is guarding Griffin. Um, you know, he, he had two early fouls, actually, in that game, and so he didn't play a lot. I don't know how often that's the case. It looks like he's averaging like three fouls a game, which is kind of a lot for only 18 minutes. Um, And just looking through his game log, he he had a good game their last game against Memphis, 20 points and six rebounds. But the games before that, 17 minutes, five fouls, eight minutes, four fouls, 12 minutes, four fouls, 17 minutes, four fouls. So that's been plaguing him. And I think it's definitely going to be an issue when he's trying to guard Blake Griffin. I don't see how he guards Blake Griffin. You know, Blake, Blake Griffin, I if you remember earlier in the year, Dominus Sabonis of OKC was guarding Griffin, and Blake really went after him and forced Oklahoma City to adjust their rotation because Blake was just killing this rookie. And Marquise Chris might be a better long-term prospect than Sabonis. I, I'm not going to get into whether, you know, good pick, bad pick, any of that. But right now, today, Marquise Chris is not as much of a steady, capable NBA player as Sabonis. So that's what I'd watch for. Um, I'd watch for the Clippers to try to keep those Suns guards slowed down again. Um, if Felton and Rivers and Redick can replicate that performance. And Luke probably will get some time on, on those guys too. And then I'm really looking for Blake Griffin to just dominate Marquise Chris. I, I, don't, I would be disappointed if it ended in any other fashion. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about this Suns game. We'll talk about any developments in the Carmelo Anthony thing. And I promise, although I will break my promise, that I won't talk about Carmelo Anthony anymore unless there's news. And we'll get ready for this upcoming Warriors game tomorrow night, which is (laughs) going to be... um, I was going to say it's going to be fun, but I don't think it's going to be fun. I don't think so. We'll see. Alright guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to leave me a good review if you like me. And don't leave me a bad review if you don't like me. Um, And just once again, briefly, if you're a fan of the show and you have a business, you should consider sponsoring. Our primary audience is men between ages 18 and 44. Our rates are pretty reasonable. You can hit me up. Email me, lhan.clipsnation@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We can get in detail, talk about, you know, if we can work together. Um, and just in general, if you have anything you want to talk about, about the Clippers, about the show, about NBA salary cap math, um, you can email me, lhan.clipsnation@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can tweet me, at LucasJHan, which is probably going to get a quicker and easier response. But you're always welcome to email me. You're always welcome to tweet at me. You can... Hit me up in the comments on Clips Nation. I normally get to all the comments, although sometimes if they're getting a little busy, it can get tricky. Um. But I normally see all my Twitter mentions too. Again, sometimes it's getting busy, it'll get tricky. I do read all my emails, but emails can be a little more work to reply to depending on how big your question is. But hit me up. Hit me up on all three. Leave a comment, tweet at me, and send me an email. Whatever you gotta do. I like hearing from you guys. Um... That's all for today. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk about the Suns game. Talk about the Warriors game. Break my promise again and talk about Melo some more. All right. Bye, guys. This is Lucas Hand signing off for Lockdown Clippers.